Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes, Caught Offside. From the Upper West Side of Manhattan and from Brooklyn, New York, Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? Uh, what's up is uh, Mikel Antonio's international stock. Oof. Ooh. Good Lord. What a rocket. Good Lord. We are here, we are gathered here tonight, dearly beloved, to discuss the U.S. men and their latest World Cup qualifier against Jamaica. It ends 1-1, a draw. They take four points from these last two in this uh, current window. Uh, We will go in deep on this one over the course of this podcast, and we'll kind of take a bit of... I guess a bit of a retrospective on how qualifying has gone so far as they as the U.S. have now passed the halfway point um, on their uh, on their road to Qatar. I'll do a little bit JJ MLS postseason. I know you and I we're going to do a little bit of a preview later on in the show, and you I think have some things to say also about some UEFA qualifying. So a lot to get to. Should be a fun podcast. I'm curious. Uh, you and I we really have not spoken since this game ended. Uh, the U.S. and Jamaica. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on it. I mean, let's let's just let's just dive right in. Let's go right into this now. Um, you well, know, before was, yeah, before oh, we oh. before you dive, okay. you started with a kind of a religious, almost uh, priest-like tone, uh, which was somber. And there was a somber tone from the Paramount Plus crew at the end of the game. I wouldn't be that somber. I think it's a point on the road, Andrew. Uh, it was not a good performance, but I am not going to give it a funereal feel tonight. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, I would suppose, hmm, you've thrown me for a loop there. That was not the direction I would expect you to go. Uh, but I Andrew, see- it can't, like a qualification campaign cannot be these, uh, you know, peaks and troughs. There are issues to be addressed and we will talk about I them. I know, but you, the reason I'm confused to hear you say that is because you literally just criticized me when I went into the Mexico game saying just get three points like win the game I don't care what it looks like and you yeah, you no, kind of you criticized me for that and now you're saying well it's a point on the road be happy I I, I don't know I feel like and, and this is a, a an inferior opponent to what Mexico is well, it doesn't mean I'm not going to criticize the performance or talk about the performance but I think at the end of the day considering how this game finished think of how you would have felt if that legitimate headed goal by Jamaica wasn't ruled out well that's the thing I was going to yeah. say that not all draws are created equal and this is one that the U.S. should feel fortunate to be coming away with, which is, which is not great coming off of the performance against Mexico a few days earlier. So, you know, not to be repetitive with what you heard if you were watching Paramount Plus, the word that they kept using as soon as that game went final. Um, but I, I think they kind of nailed it when they all said deflated, like riding high from where we were last Friday uh, and hoping that that momentum would carry over. Uh, it didn't. And it is a bit of a deflated feeling. Now, we should all kind of know better by now. Like We've all watched enough soccer, whether it be the U.S., whether it be domestic leagues, the Premier League. Like This is a game-to-game sport. Momentum is kind of just like a thing in our heads that we use to validate when a team goes on a winning streak. But I don't know if it's – I don't actually know if it's a real thing. Uh, you know, match individual matchups matter. Players who were not available, like tonight, Miles Robinson, Weston McKinney, uh, and others who were injured, you know, things like that matter. Going on the road versus being at home, that matters. But all in all, um, you know, I can live with a draw against Jamaica. I actually think that that Jamaican team is is good. I think it's better than the Jamaican side we saw earlier in this tournament. Clearly, Mikel Antonio has given them a boost. They're unbeaten now in four straight World Cup qualifiers. Had they been off to a little bit better of a start, they would be a threat, certainly, for that fourth mm. spot. Um, so like there, there's another universe where I'm coming out of a draw against Jamaica saying, okay, I can live with that. But kind of what you were instilling within me the other night talking about my expectations for what I wanted to see against Mexico. Yeah, that's sort of how I feel right now about this this Jamaica game where the performance does matter too. It's not this was a case where it's not just the result and they did not they did not play well and there's no other word to say deflated is one, lucky is another. They're lucky to be leaving Jamaica with a point. Well, I, I don't think you can separate the two games from each other and one informs the other. And and I do think that uh it was a pretty joyous occasion um, on Friday on Friday night in Cincinnati because it was a confirmation performance. It was a performance that showed you that when it really matters, and that was the game that mattered most of the, of the triumvirate of games we played against Mexico, this was the game that mattered the most. 
and there was an elation and there was an energy and a buzz. And then you get on a plane and you go to Jamaica to a country who didn't seem too bothered. They'd, I mean, what was there, 25 people in the ground tonight? There was, there was more than that, but there certainly wasn't the, the 5,000 that was expected, or I'd be shocked if there was. And the pitch is a bit heavy. Uh, there's been, you know, a lot of emotion expended in getting that victory over uh, Mexico, which was the marquee game of this round. Of quali- probably the marquee game in qualifying, uh, apart from your trip to the, to the Azteca, the marquee game in this round of qualifying, and there's a energy and a a a a deficit, an energy deficit. I'm not saying that guys didn't try, guys didn't go out there and try to play their game, but there was a bit of a, you know, an aftermath, a a lingering taste of champagne left from the other night and they didn't show up. And uh, like you pointed out, this was a different Jamaica team, a Jamaica team that had something to prove on a decent run with a, a newly a newly ensconced Premier League striker in, in, in the centre forward line. And um, they were very, very physical. They were very, very direct. They were all the things that Jamaica usually are, but they also had the added little bit of quality that came back into the side. It was a different team than we played the last time and the US did not match that or they did they were you know the goal definitely changed the perspective and and jamaica seemed to absolutely grow from that michael antonio strike Mm -hmm. in a way that the u.s didn't from the tim way strike and um and that was it and you know football sometimes like that i i will still take our 11 over their 11 any day oh yeah i just of course it's just there was a fall off and i definitely think that comes a little bit from from the mexico game you know the buzz the excitement the, uh, what would you call it? I suppose the, the well, oca- it's an emotional the, high, and it's but hard. the occasion, yeah. the occasion, a full house and for your own crowd, and you're doing this thing that was absolutely vital that you did, and not only did you do it, you did it in the manner that everybody wanted to see, and there was this confirmation that we've arrived, and then you go there to the heavy pitch at Independence Park, and it just doesn't quite happen for you, or rather, it happened early on, but you can't keep it going. And um, and also, I think there were substitutions made in the second half, which we'll get to, that I don't think generally kept the U.S. in, in that frame of mind where they were going to go and win the game. I think there was a what we have, we'll hold kind of attitude in, in some of the substitutions. And um, and it ends up just kind of coming short uh, of of expectation, way short of expectations. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I I, I, I don't want, you see, I don't want to be in these massive, I, the things I said on Friday about that performance, I really meant it was the first time, it was the most complete performance we've seen from the U.S. men's national team, I, I believe, in almost every facet. And this wasn't. So, you know, I, which, which is the real U.S. team? I would like to think the team that took on Mexico is. Well, right now they kind of both are. Like, we have yet to really see – like, we've seen both types of performances, um, and I think they're just young and inexperienced, and part of what comes with that is inconsistency. Uh, so as they grow – and I don't just mean within this cycle. Like, I think it's – you know, these guys are – tonight was the second youngest 11 that the U.S. had ever fielded. Um, you know, so I'm not – I'm talking, like, in, in like – years it's going to take them to kind of deal with that kind of experience of how okay what is it to go through what we just went through against Mexico and the highs of that and then immediately having to reset ourselves and go on the road in a place kind of void of atmosphere on a difficult pitch against the tough side in Jamaica that we think we're better than like they're going to have to it's going to take time to learn how to go through those peaks and valleys of World Cup qualifying in CONCACAF Um, so I get it like I get it this is this is part of the learning the learning process for this team. Now, I don't want to come across too negative because I do feel like myself and other American fans need to be reminded of something. It kind of shows, JJ, what we think of this team and the expectations that we have for this team where, you know, I can sit here right now and be kind of bummed with the way that went when, like, Jamaica has played well over the last few games. It's a, it's a solid team. And, like, the U.S. are without Weston McKinney, Serginio Dest, Miles Robinson, who we think is the the team's best defender right now, Gio Reyna, 
Christian Pulisic can only play for 20 minutes. Like, all those things could be the case. The U.S. could get out of there with a 1-1 draw, which is fine to do that on the road in World Cup qualifying, and we could still, the majority of us, could still be sitting here right now feeling kind of bummed. That says something, I think, about what we think of this team. Uh, So at least take that with you, that, you know, the expectations have been ratcheted up a notch, and, and part of what comes with that is when you're playing a team you think you're better than, home or away, our expectation is now that we think this team will win. It's yeah, not always going to happen. And I think, uh, you know, where did it fall down mostly tonight? Well, it was in the attacking third. You know, we just didn't do enough. We weren't creative enough. Um, Paul Carr tweeted this out. Uh, this is the attacking third stats in the first half of the last two games. So versus Mexico, first half, 91 touches, 68% pass completion. Versus Jamaica, 55 touches, 50% pass completion. So... Really, tonight, in the attacking zone, if it wasn't Pepe linking with, with, with Tim Weah, it wasn't happening. That's basically it. And, you know, I don't think we got the fullbacks. We got them forward, but, you know, I can remember in the second half, a couple of times, Robinson going down the left-hand side and just crossed us into no one. You know, so it was a... Yeah, it was flat tonight. It really was flat. And there there were, you know, there's a number of things that go into it. And I, I wouldn't discount the field. Uh, so that's not no, no you wouldn't. I really wouldn't. I think the field was very interesting tonight. Um, <laughs> I know you don't. You, you, I'm you not, sneer. I'm you not laugh. sneering. It's a thing. I just it's love how much you really love it. It's like you, you have a, a, like a microscope up to the TV studying the blades of grass. Well, I, think, I think there's no point beating around the bush here that the away surfaces outside of the U.S. and Mexico in, in CONCACAF are dramatically worse than the surfaces you'll encounter, with a few excep- exceptions in, say, like UEFA. That's just a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the, the differences in all the surfaces, you know, for the most part, you know what you're going to turn up to. Now, I know everybody's talking about Croatia, Russia, and I mean, that was, that was a waterlogged pitch in Zagreb. That had a lot to do with it. There was, you know, there was a weather involvement there. Um, and I have seen uh, the Republic of Ireland go to Serbia and play on pretty much a bog of a field. But generally speaking, you kind of know what you're going to get. It will be within a range of field states. Whereas in CONCACAF, it's just, they're just bad. The range is a, is a little wider. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the range is wider, but it's all in the, if this was a Venn diagram and the center part was acceptable fields, everything is in the the A circle of bad surfaces <laughs> and challenging surfaces. And uh, and tonight was tonight was really was really no different. And it was kind of hard to get get your passing game together. So let's go through some of this, JJ. I thought the U.S. actually started pretty brightly. Um, I thought they began the game on the front foot and. Pretty early on, what was it, tenth, eleventh minute? They were rewarded. Yeah. A nice link up, like you said, between Ricardo Pepe and Tim Weah. And you know, Tim Weah. You know, we we spoke about him extensively on the Mexico Post podcast that we did. He's in great form, and like I'm glad that he was rewarded with a goal and and one that he had to earn. Zig, you know, kind of zigzagging into the box. We've talked about final third, and and a lot of it has been like you just said crosses into the box that are constantly repelled so you sort of every once in a while need a player who can just make something happen on his own I, and, I don't think he, he did that yeah well you say on his own I don't well, Pepe think set him up but he had to then dribble around a defender yeah. chip the keeper from a, a difficult angle he <laughs> I mean come on man he made that play he, he did a Bobby Reed decided that he would turn his back to him in some kind of weird attempt to step in front of the ball and then not do the defensive part when the ball was there to be won and uh, if anything, I mean, Bobby Rhea was far too compliant in Tim Weah's dribbling there. It was, it was the beginning of a horror night for Bobby Reed, but mm-hmm. it was a superb finish. But again, I love, I love what Pepe did, Andrew, stepping out then, creating the space in behind, linking the play. That was really, really good. And I thought it was only going to get better. 15 minutes, uh, Pepe had a thunderbolt. Uh, we went down the right-hand side. The ball was centered. Pepe had a thunderbolt strike, blocked. And then uh, Aronson drew a good save out of their keeper. Those were two really good chances. And things are ticking along nicely until out of nowhere. And there's no point saying otherwise. 
This is not us. We don't deserve to be zapped for saying this. This was completely a literal bolt from the blue on 22 minutes. Mikel Antonio with as clean a strike and a hit as you're going to see. It was a thing of beauty. I mean, an unbelievable goal. And as soon as it went in, I immediately, I suffered like flashbacks to Alvin Jones. And sure enough, JJ, I found this stat after the game, 34.2 yards out. That was Mikel Antonio's goal tonight. Uh, That's tied for the second longest goal scored in the final round of CONCACAF World Cup qualifying in the last three cycles. And only... Only you-know-who scored one against the U.S. from further out, and that was Alvin Jones from 42 yards wow. out in that yeah, so, U.S. So, Trinidad game. So I saw someone uh, on, on our Twitter trying to blame Tyler Adams for not doing enough. He showed him I mean, inside, into the traffic, 35 yards out, 34 yards out, which, by the way, is the it's, it's also Mikel Antonio's longest of any of his goals for either, either in uh, Nottingham Forest or West Ham or or wherever. It's the furthest he's, he's struck a, a senior professional goal in either international or club football. And trying to criticize Tyler Adams for showing him inside, that's exactly what you should do. Show him into the traffic, you know? And he pulls out this unbelievable strike, which all these things came together at once, especially when I saw the replay. So the CBS crew had just thrown to Jenny Chu, who was at the game, to ask her about, her, about the, the pitch, which was cutting up very early on. It looked actually uh, okay before the game started, and then it just starts with every tackle, there's more of it coming up. And CBS were just bemoaning the state of the field. And I'm watching it, and I'm thinking, he's hit that so perfect. It reminds me of something I recently heard on a podcast. And it was John Giles was talking on an Irish radio show about his best goals and the best goals he ever scored. And there was a... A, uh, a highlight package video doing the rounds on, on Leeds United Twitter about his great strikes. And the, the presenter of the podcast, Joe Malloy, said to John Giles, he said, yeah, a lot of those shots were taken on really bad fields. And John Giles says, yeah, but you could make the, wor- the field work to your advantage because sometimes the ball would pop up out of nowhere and you could just swing at it and strike straight through it and get a great connection. Now, it's very subtle. But that's what happens with Mikel Antonio's one. As he's about to strike, the ball just comes up the tiniest little bit. He gets more of a surface area of the laces, as they call it, on the strike. He gets a better strike, and it absolutely flies in. So in that sense, in probably the only sense tonight, the field worked out for the players. Yeah, maybe uh, Jean-Luc Abuzio would say the same for his strike later on from almost the same spot with almost the same result. Yeah, almost. um, but it was an unbelievable strike. Now, I, and you know me, I love to criticize a goalkeeper. I thought, you know what, Stefan, it is a long way. Like, it's 35 yards, so it's one of those where, hey, he can be accused of seeing it all the way and not reacting. But I was, in my mindset, I was like, no, nah, that's just too clean of a strike. It's, it's just traveling too fast. And then, at halftime... <laughs> Uh, Brianna Scurry, someone who should know a lot about this, she said, actually, Stefan will feel he could have done a bit better, that he could have taken two, shuffled his feet a little bit and got across. Because as good as the strike was, it was obviously quite central. Um, and I was kind of surprised by that because I was going to give Stefan a pass. I mean, neither of those things, Adam's defending, Stefan's goalkeeping, neither of those things crossed my mind really no. when I saw it. To me... This, I don't know, it kind of felt like one of those goals that I sometimes talk about of like, must we always find fault? Sometimes can't something just be amazing? Um, that was kind of how I felt about it. I'll tell you this, I'll go back with a critical, a more critical eye and I'll look at it again. Because you're right, it wasn't quite, it, it wasn't into the side netting. Uh, so, you know, maybe, maybe there's something to be said for Stefan at least getting a fingertip on it. Um, I don't know. That was not when I saw it in real time. When I saw the first few replays, that that didn't really come to mind for me that he could have done better. But I'll look well, at it again, and I'll and I, I'll get back to you. You know, it's not like a guy, I met a guy in the street called Chad who said, you know, he should have saved that. Right? It was it was Brianna Scurry who said it? Not that, that kind of. That's what made me mention it. Yeah, but I'll say this: you are right in that. I mean, that moment was kind of an oasis in the desert for Jamaica. 
up to that they point. Done nothing I mean, after they looked. The, the shouting in the defense after the Tim Weah goal, the, the, the goalkeeper and Bobby Reed had words. They looked a, a bit of a mess. They'd started the game in decent order. They had more possession of the ball. But once the U.S. got into it, Jamaica looked at sixes and sevens. And that goal just lifted everything and deflated, to use your term, deflated the U.S. Yeah, uh, although not a ton more in the first half. Well, not really. There's just, I suppose there's two points to be made. Jamaica started to go a little bit longer to Mikel Antonio, who was winning headers against Zimmerman. So they started going much more direct. And I think the other thing that's no, uh, worth talking about is the Chris Richards handball. Now, oh, Christina yeah, Uncle, true. she said, you know, the rules expert, she said, his elbow, his arm needs to be bigger, further away from the body, and it wouldn't be a candidate for review on VAR if VAR existed in this CONCACAF world of ours. Aguchi Onewu did not agree with that. He said it was a stonewall penalty, and he's a centre-back, and he supports the U.S. So, I don't know. I, 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 there was one thing that she said in her description of it that, I, that resonated. You know, she said, look, if you, let's say you chopped his arm off. What would, have, what would have happened there? She said it would have hit his chest. Uh, so, in some way, maybe that makes it an easier decision to not give the handball that his that his arm is tucked into his body um, the best yeah, that he can. I, I, I was kind of with a, a Gucci on this one. I, I didn't feel like it was very tucked. Okay. Tucked enough. But again, you know. It's clo- it was a close one. Uh, I think it, yeah. yeah. It was and cl- the, other, the other two things from the half, which was a constant theme throughout this game, was you had the brown tackle on Tyler Adams, which was... <laughs> You know, just two-footed, wild swinging. And then you had, I thought, I was really worried about Brendan Aronson, but he got away with it. In fact, the Jamaican player injured himself more. It was like this sandwich tackle after a really good Musa pass put him through. And the two Jamaican players just sandwiched him together in a sliding motion. Yikes. Like, these tackles This are, was a This was a really physical game. Oh, wild. And, and, and again, look, Jamaica, they... They tend to do that. That is part of their part of their their makeup in terms of the way they like to play physically, and you have to match that. And and the U.S. I guess didn't. I mean, not to fast forward too far ahead here, but while we're talking about physicality, I mean, JJ Christian Pulisic comes on, and and clearly Jamaica's strategy was like, okay, if he's able to dribble like more than two times, then like somebody's got to just come in and just take him out. And that's yeah. that's what that's how we're going to deal with this guy. We're not going to let him beat us. We're not going to let him do to us what he did to Mexico. We're taking him down. Uh, and and look, they could do that because as we get into the second half here, um, you know, part of the problem for the U.S. tonight and on other occasions as well, their set pieces are not very threatening. And uh-huh. so it seemed like Jamaica were content. Okay, we'll commit fouls. Uh, even if it seems like they're in dangerous areas of the field, that doesn't really bother us. We think we can handle it. That's something for which you got to say there's no excuse. Like, they've got to be better. The deliveries have to be better. You have players who have proven in the past they're good in the air. They've won they've won cup finals, proven it, for this team. Mm-hmm. Like, the fall-off since the summer in, in terms of the quality of free kick and set piece and corner and everything is just – it's just not to, – to use the quote, uh, my quote, which has become famous now in this – podcast is not good enough i mean i don't know the problem is i don't know who the obvious candidate is to be playing in these balls on the free kick now look i mean you know maybe i would say Gio reyna but he's obviously out well uh, and acosta did have that role in the summer a little bit right, well he not, played he in that he played in the ball for miles robinson's header yeah and he didn't start the game so Right, so you know it's it's been incumbent on Brendan Aronson who Busio Busio can strike a ball. Yeah, he's, you know he was he was there, but right now it's it's just non-threatening, and all a lot of these set pieces is just kind of on repeat. It's like didn't I just saw this? Like you know, it's um, it's become frustrating because that's such an important part of advancing in in tournaments and certainly in qualifications. So it's something they're going to have to work on, and I'm sure that they're aware of that. As we get into the second half, JJ, I mean, let's let's go to it. The Bobby Reed moment. I mean, oh. the ball's played in. It's a dangerous ball. Anthony Robinson tries to clear it, but that don't know what he's doing. Goes that goes horribly wrong, 
and it winds up being just like a perfectly set up ball for Bobby Reed. Maybe it bounced a little higher than he was expecting, couldn't get his foot on top of it, and from within six yards, he blasts that thing way out into row Z, as you would say, and I mean... What a letoff for the U.S. and and what a potentially deflating moment for Jamaica to not have converted that. We just should call this podcast now. We just call it deflation. We, the, the word just keeps coming up. Yeah. Um, it starts Andrew with, you know, DeAndre Yedlin in the in the fullback position. He should clear his lines. He gets kind of caught in two minds. Half goes for a ball. Jamaica get it back. Ball goes into the box again. I don't know what Anthony Robinson is doing, but I will say this: if Bobby Reed scuffs that it's more likely to go in than the connection he got on it, which was just like rocketed. Um, if he if he clips it with the bottom of his boot or his studs, it's probably going in um, to the net. And in a game where I thought he was so poor, for a player I've really liked, mm. I thought he was just so far off it um, tonight. And everything he did, and in the, I think later on he had a corner kick and it hits the first defender. And I'm like, just take this guy off. <laughs> if, if I'm the Jamaican manager, you know, I'm... Whitmore, get rid of him. Off straight away. Um, Andrew, that was just the the most massive, massive stroke of luck. And then I think in like the 65th minute, Pulisic coming, uh, Pulisic coming on for Wea. I wouldn't have taken Tim Wea off. Yeah, I, agree. I know you've got to take someone off, but I wouldn't have for the late. You know, unless he's, you know, they're managing minutes. I know he has had injuries in the past. Unless they're doing that and it's a load management issue, I'm leaving him on and I'm finding another way to get Pulisic into the game. And Kellen Acosta for, for Eunice Musa again, just screamed to me. Musa, I don't know, was it tiredness? Maybe there's not enough 90 minutes in his legs at Valencia. I'm, I'm not sure. I would have left him as well because bringing Kellen Acosta on means a little, not a little, a lot more conservative in your approach towards the end of the game. And... um and then you saw, I guess, some half chances. Well, before you before you move off of that, I want to say one thing because I have one criticism of the substitutions. Okay, um, and it, and it involves Christian Pulisic, um, but it involves it kind of the other way. I I don't know. We talked about the Thomas Tuchel comments, you know, almost like subliminally bullying the U.S. into being ultra conservative with Pulisic. Well, I'm not, it wasn't. I, it I'm wasn't not, subliminal. It was. It was very obvious. But I don't know that he was trying to bully them. He was just suggesting, please don't please. get my guy hurt. Yeah. Please be responsible with how you use him. I'm not saying Greg Berhalter listened to that or cared, but you might have. Like, to me, in a game where the U.S. are clearly floundering in attack. And you've got this gem, like, bring them on earlier. I don't know, maybe they had Half some... time? Sure, sure. It's Christian Pulisic. I mean, like, and look, I, I will choose to trust them uh, in terms of what's going on behind the scenes that I'm not privy to, whether that, whether that be some kind of conversation about, you know, being conservative with him because it's important that he be playing a prominent role in his club side. Maybe that factored in. Uh, or just what they saw from him in training, uh, you know, maybe their maybe their their performance staff said I I wouldn't push this guy. Yeah, I don't know. There there could be more than I am aware of. Um, but just going off of what I've seen and the player that he is and what the U.S. were in need of in that moment, I would have brought him on earlier. Uh, so that that's my criticism. They needed something dynamic in attack and. Yeah, I mean, look, we saw it against Mexico. 20 minutes is certainly more than enough time for him to come on and make his mark, but like I wouldn't mind 45. Uh, so that was that was a little bit disappointing to me. I would have liked to have seen more of him uh not just tonight, but like in this in this cycle, in, in this window. No, I I agree, but I think what they were trying to do uh is uh to break the cycle. I.e. the cycle of Lots of time in international duty, injured, out for Chelsea, back for international duty, knock, picked up, out again. I think that there was probably a, maybe not a, a complete meeting of minds because there was a little back and forth between um, Bearhalter and, and Tuchel, but a general sense that let's try and manage his minutes. But like, here- because Tuchel was talking about pain, Andrew. Now, pain 
we could get into a whole debate about well, what does pain mean? Does pain necessarily mean you're injured? Not actually. Uh, pain on recovery, all those things. Tuchel was talking about pain. He was still feeling pain going into this window. Uh, I don't know. So, I mean, I, I, I just I look at it and think, well, how many game? How like how long does it take for a guy to be built up and ready to go? 90 minutes or at least Look, 45 he, he minutes. Like, he had been training with Chelsea. Chelsea. He came on with two substitute appearances for Chelsea. He's in this in this group. He's been training the whole time, made a substitution appearance. Like to me, to me that feels like enough time to, to be able to go more. Um but I don't like I said I don't I don't know. And I'm not putting it on Pulisic. Uh I'm putting it on the decision makers. <laughs> I would have liked to have seen Bearhalter Pull the trigger earlier, but well, you you can't say that they they. I mean, they were going through. Uh, CBS got some nice shots of them on the end line, going through a fairly rigorous warm up. I mean, it wasn't. Yeah. Hey, Christian, take off your your tracksuit, go and warm up. Like they. No, it was cor- It was clearly calculated and, and co- a coordinated yeah. decision. Yeah, definitely, one hundred percent. Yeah, uh, let's go through this, JJ. Let's go to the other biggest moment of this match uh, for Jamaica. Late eighty sixth, I believe, uh, corner kick, and. Uh, Damian Lowe scores for Jamaica. There's nothing wrong with this goal. Andrew. I don't. I don't quite. I don't get it. I don't understand exactly what it was. I mean, Walker Zimmerman. Maybe the referee is looking at the end result and not the actual motion of what happened because Zimmerman. Yes. Is kind of his like inertia. He's moving forward, and so maybe the referee seeing a player moving forward in that way assumes, well, he must be moving in that way because he was pushed. Uh, but uh, you look at each replay, and I'm not. If he was pushed, I have yet to really see an angle that shows that it looked, it looked like a goal to me. Andrew, I, I was, I watched it several times. I couldn't see any infringement or an infringement beyond the the regular contact that happens on a corner kick in a box. I saw nothing, nothing. And I think you're right. The result of where Zimmerman ended up and the way he plaintively looked at the referee and waved his finger straight away gave the referee a, a, a moment of doubt. He has no replay, and so he just went with the safe decision, which was not to give the goal. That's the way I see it, um, and everybody was kind of in the studio afterwards saw it the same way. It, yeah. was, a, it was a clear goal. Um, that's brutal for Jamaica. As they're, tr- as they're trying very, to crawl very, back into qualifying, that's a tough pill to swallow. It's very, very tough, and it would have been it would have made such a difference to them and the, the general trajectory of the team to get that win, which they would have deserved. Um, because you know, I, I I know you're leaving it out uh, because because it wasn't a great chance, but there was the ball over the top um, where for Mikel Antonio where Stefan came like again flying out of the goal, and um, the angle was just too tight for Antonio, and he kind of just centered the ball more than anything. But that was a really good. It could have been a potentially good chance for Jamaica. That, yeah, as that was transpiring, I I was just thinking, oh, penalty, 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 please, no, 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 be careful, be careful. And yeah. it wasn't, but it's the way you're right. The way he came out, kind oh, of the my. angle that Antonio was at. You, I don't know. We've it, all it, we've all watched the sport enough to feel like we've seen that happen a thousand times. But the exact Stefan did the exact same thing in the FA Cup semi final um, last season. The exact same thing, and it ended up in the net. So he got lucky this time, but you know he should have stayed home. The keep the angle tight. Coming out actually made things easier for for Antonio. Um, but it was just too much for him to manage. Second, so, yeah. Yeah, second half XG, JJ, not pretty for the U.S. I mean, all you have to do is watch the game to know that. 0.18 for the United States, Jamaica 0.70. Mm. Uh, sounds about right. Neither side had, I mean, other, you know, Jamaica had the better chances, but they were, for both sides, they were few and far between, fewer more so for the U.S., clearly. They yeah, just, yeah. I don't know if they ran out of gas. Uh, I don't know. Jamaica was just that much better in the second half. I'm not sure exactly, but didn't have it, didn't have it. Um, we had a sighting, Andrew. We had a sighting. I never. I, I was. I mean, I just must must have passed me by that he declared for them. But Ravel Morrison. Oh, I saw. I saw that tweeted from the account. Playing, uh, playing football. I know he's he's uh, he's playing club football right now and and uh, doing quite well. But I just haven't seen him uh, play for Jamaica. So that was yeah. kind of interesting. I. Eh? A much-talked-about player who um, gave you some nightmares in his very brief time at the top. He was going to be the next big thing, Andrew. By the way, he was going to play for England. That was that was, mm-hmm. that was the trajectory of his career. It was going to be England, but um, there we are. Yeah. Um, Taylor Twelman on ESPN FC following this one. Here's what he had to say about the match. 
Well, one, Antonio scores a blinder of a goal because up until that point, they pretty much dictated the tempo of the game. Jamaica was second to everything. And then ultimately, this comes down to you play a game in Cincinnati where the weather's cold. You fly down. Both Herc and Casey have done this in World Cup qualifying. And then you're playing in 85-degree weather. The team looks sluggish to me. The team looks second best in a, in a variety of ways, even though they dominated possession, but really with nothing to show for it. Oftentimes in CONCACAF, Dan, it comes down to who wants it more, who wants to be more physical. That's what you saw from Jamaica in the second half, and rightfully so. I think they should be, they should feel hard done by because they deserve three points. That goal shouldn't have been taken away, and Bobby Reed should have done a lot better with that shot from five yards out. Yeah, pretty much a lot of, uh, kind of affirming a lot of what we felt as well um, in this one. Yeah, I don't think... uh... There's not too much to argue with there. Um, maybe, you know, it's something Bearhalter has to look at in terms of obviously, clearly on the road, the U.S. are not as as potent as they are at home, um, which is normal. I which mean, is normal, but I think it's more like maybe managing managing what happened or the the energy or the mood directly after Friday night. Um, maybe that's something as a, as a group they need to look at and maybe not to leave themselves emotionally flat and, and and then that bleeds into the physicality, which they just didn't have tonight. And and they look leggy as well. They look they kind of tired. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I went through the list of guys who are not available to them right now. Their depth, for, for whatever we think of their depth, which we've come to think pretty highly of it, it's being tested. You know, they're They're going a little bit deeper into the pool um, and asking a lot from from some of these guys. So, you know, like when this when World Cup qualifying started, we certainly we thought highly of Brendan Aronson, but he's playing a lot more, I think, than what we had anticipated. I mean, he's it's every game now he's given him you know significant minutes, and he he's is. he's being asked to run a lot, and a lot, a lot. You know, Ricardo Pepe, like he's somebody who kind of burst on the scene through this qualification period, and like a lot's being asked of him. He's playing a lot running a lot, you know, trying to do a lot to help this team and was not super effective in this uh, in this window. Did set up the goal tonight for Weah, although, like I said, it was I felt like that was a lot of Weah doing Tim Weah things. But, you know, so this was, you know, Ricardo Pepe leveled out a little bit over these last two games maybe. I still think very highly of him and think that he should still be the number nine. But, you know, these are guys being thrust into really crucial roles in, in really important games. And so they're, they're going to have to feel it out. They're going to have to feel it out a little bit. Uh, JJ, we've passed the halfway point of qualifying, so I thought with that maybe we do a little, a little quick retrospective on on where we have this team so far. Is there a is there a letter grade that you would give them? Uh, I think the away record is not good. Um, the home record is very good. The game against Mexico gave us or gave me the performance I was looking for. I'd say I'd say like and, and considering where they are on the table right now, now albeit. If Canada win tonight, that the you know the perspective changes a little bit against Mexico and Edmonton, in the um, <laughs> the Ice Teca is what they're the calling it. The Ice Teca Stadium. Fun- yeah. Whoever came up with that, bravo! By, by the way, not bothered at all about Latino outreach uh, <laughs> in Canada. They are just uh, absolutely giving themselves the best possible um, home scenario, both weather and crowd wise. I would say B minus overall for the U.S. Okay. I-, I went B. I went straight up B. I mean, look, yeah. Obviously, you can't go A because there's there's just too many prolonged stretches where this team just doesn't doesn't look like they're on it. Um, but you know, ultimately, like I I don't know. The goal here is to qualify, and right now we're in really good position to do so. I saw this, JJ. The U.S. has more points, fifteen through eight games in the final round of qualifying than they had in the entire final round of the last cycle, twelve points in 10 games. Uh, all 10 of the previous teams to accumulate 15 or more points through eight games qualified for the World Cup. Now, this one's a little different, obviously, because it's an octagonal, not a hex. But the point remains, if you've got 15 points through eight games, you're, you're doing something all right. So um, so I'll give, them, I'll give them a straight up B. You can't, uh, but yeah, you, can, you can't go A. I won't kill, I won't get on you for B minus. I understand that. But uh, yeah, I went straight up B. Um, in terms of the team, players, any player whose stock has, has really risen significantly for you from where it might have been prior to qualifying? Uh, Tim Weah, 
Okay. By, by a country mile. And it's not that I never thought he had talent. It's not that I, uh, that I doubted, doubted his, you know, his technical ability. I just never saw him in the right, never seemed to see him in the right position. Um, and he also, you know, wasn't, uh, is lately a regular for his club side, Lille. He wasn't always. And there was, you know, there was times in his career where I, I, I just wasn't sure if he was going to be what we expected to be. But in this, in this window, um, he's been absolutely excellent. And um, he's a starter for me now. So yeah. his, stock, his stock has risen from, he's taken me from being a doubting Thomas to a start him Simon. <laughs> that is what they call it. He was yes. my yeah. He was my honorable mention for this, mainly for what you just said. That when this all started, I didn't know that I saw a place for him in the eleven. Certainly on the team, but I was like, okay, maybe he's someone who like in the seventieth you bring on that speed, and it, it really puts a defense uh, defense on its heels. Now I look at it and think he's going to make the decision process for this who starts and who doesn't if they're all healthy. He's going to make it hard. Uh, I don't if he's playing the way he is, you can't take him out, but someone of significance is going to have to miss out then. So the fact that he's that he's turned this into a really difficult decision, that's that's a credit to him. Uh, for me, I, I went Miles Robinson just because, you know, coming out of the Gold Cup, my feeling was, okay, he's done enough. Like, we've seen enough now. He, he deserves to be on that national team. What I did not expect was that we'd be past the halfway point of qualifying, and for me, he would probably be the best defender on the national team. I didn't see that coming. Um, so, and look, I don't know that, you know, we can have a conversation about how much he was missed tonight. Weston McKinney as well. You know, I think that was important. Both those guys coming in in relatively good form. McKinney, of course, scoring against Mexico. It's unfortunate that uh, they couldn't play tonight. But yeah, so those are those are the ones I said. Miles and and Wea. Uh, what about the opposite of that? Any player whose stock has dropped for you? Uh, John Brooks. Yeah. Um, I, I think when you're going away from home and you think that the defense centrally is better and less panicky and less concerning by the fact that your Bundesliga Champions League center back isn't there. That is, that is not a good sign. I think at the other end of the field, um, Daryl DK, uh, you know, that center forward position, uh, Jordan Sibichu, you could, pro- uh, sorry, excuse me, PFOC, you could put him in that same Sergeant bracket Sergeant too. And, uh, I actually think in midfield, um, Considering where he was in the summer and how we were much more high upon him, Kellen Acosta's stock has dropped. Brooks was mine. I mean, just the fact that you go into a window where you're playing Mexico, like this is, like we said, this is the marquee game in qualifying, and he's healthy and he's not brought. <sighs> I mean, yeah, that's kind of, and he, look, he's not out of the picture. He'll he'll be back. Um, I think they just want to give him a chance to stay. I guess you know. With his stay fresh with his club side, and I, I don't know, we'll see him again. But but the guy but that's from not Nashville, good. the center back from Nashville, and let's paint it in these terms: the center back from Nashville, a team that only exists in the last eighteen months, two years, is a more calming presence at this very moment in time than your, like I said, European experienced Bundesliga veteran, Champions League playing center back. Yeah. Who's not even in the squad. That says a lot. Yeah. So that's about all I got on this one, JJ. The U.S. returns to uh, World Cup qualifying January 27th against El Salvador, then the 30th against Canada, and then February 2nd against Honduras. So it's another three-match window, uh, the next uh, the next international break for that side. Boy, that'll be... Who knows? I mean, you get... Obviously, that one. those are all... They're all tricky games. I would expect the U.S., to beat El Salvador and Honduras, both of those are in the U.S. That yes. one in Canada is going to be a fascinating game. You um, know, oh. I mean that that plays. They are going to be ready for that. Oh. But who knows? And de- they w- go on. Depending on how we come out of this, though, I mean, uh, the three match window with two games at home against teams that the U.S. should be beating, it could be. Uh, I'd have to do the math, but we, you could exit that saying, "Okay, we're good. We don't even have to worry about uh, the Azteca." Yeah, that is true. The the maths are there to suggest that, but uh, I am I am I am so pumped about where Canada are right now, um, because it makes everything more interesting and it adds another foe into the mix and a really good team to watch and another genuine rivalry. 
And let's not forget the 1-1 draw that's already happened between the two sides. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Canada's already... Canada's just a rivalry machine. It's, 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 it's fostered and created this huge kind of rivalry with Mexico and obviously with the US. I, I'm so pumped for that game. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting times, Andrew. And by, those, by the way, those games are a few months away now, but they'll come around so quickly. Oh, I hope so because I, I love this. I need, I need more. I need you more do. of this team. It's an oasis in a rather bleak life. Let's be honest. Uh, I'll say this: there is such a. That was really mean. Well, I didn't fight you on it for. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll say this: like obviously, I joked last time about um, Arsene Wenger and his you know proposal for the World Cup being every other year. FIFA's desire to see it. I don't want that either. But I will say this, I, I do wish they could come up with a way where we can see this team in competitive action more often. Because um, I've grown, I mean, it's not just me. what you wish for. You've got Gold Cup, which is not taken, I, I mean, I guess it's Then, t- then like, what? I don't know. I, I kind of... Sex the Gold Cup up. Well, it, here's, the, here's the thing. Make it, make it way more sexy. Here, here's the thing. The thing that would do it is going to be a thing that I don't know... I don't know what Conmebol would think of it, but boy, I loved that uh, Copa America a couple years Centenario. ago. Centenario. Yeah, I enjoyed the hell out of that. I wouldn't hate seeing that a little more often. Well, you, you'd enjoy it way more now when you've got a much more competitive side. I just want to watch this team play more. Like, I just, yeah. we're all watching this team grow up. Like, these are all young players, and we're seeing their development. And we, we, this, this country, like, yes, we rip on this team a lot. People are really hard on this team, but that's because we think so highly of them. And this country has fallen in love with this group of players. And I, I want to see more. I just want to see more. It's tough saying, you know, every four years. And then, okay, like, we'll get excited about gold cups, but, you know, it's a crapshoot as to whether or not it's what team you're bringing. Like, do, do, are we even bringing our best players? Like, it's, that tournament, either they got to find a way to make that tournament truly meaningful again, like in the past when that when the winner of the Gold Cup fed into the Confederations Cup, uh, you know, then those Gold Cups meant something. It felt big. And then if you won that, those Confederation Cups that the U.S. took part in were really fun. Beat it. That win against Spain is a match that American fans will remember the rest of their lives. And then taking that 2-0 lead against Brazil, you know, that stuff mattered. I'd love think- to get back to a world where we, where we could see more of that and not just have to wait for qualifying and World Cups. I think Comnibal, I think there's a likely uh, compromise. I think Comnibal would, would be much more open, open from a money perspective to having the U.S. and Mexico play uh, in, in the Copa America. I think that is, that is the likely thing that will happen. Yeah, maybe there's a way to – maybe that's how you add – I mean, I'd have to look at the calendars for when Gold Cups and Copa Americas happen, but maybe that's how you add importance simultaneously to a Gold Cup. You know, whoever reaches the final of the Gold Cup, those two go to Copa America or something yeah, maybe like that. Something like that. They got to figure something out. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, JJ, we got a preview. We've got a preview. MLS postseason starts up this coming weekend. We're going to go through the matchups in the first round and then uh, maybe a little bit of a chat of what's going on in, in some of UEFA qualifying, some really interesting things happening there. Still, uh, still a bunch to get to. Don't go anywhere. More caught offside still to come. Oh, back now on Caught Offside. I'm so bummed, JJ. I know we were talking about the Ice Tekka. I mean, the game is happening. I don't know if it has it kicked off yet. I'm not sure, no. but boy, I just love those scenes. I think all the time about the, uh, of course, the Snow Classico, the U.S. and, and Costa Rica in Denver. And, uh, I enjoy those. Yeah, let's not make it about us, though. No, it's not about us. It's not it's about, about us. Edmonton, Alberto, our, uh, which is about, <laughs> it must be about as north as you can play a soccer match, right? I don't know. Do they, do they have a venue in the Yukon Territory? I don't know. The stadium's nice, Commonwealth Stadium yeah. in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, but it's um, 56,000 seater. Largest open air stadium in Canada, so I mean it makes sense. But oh yeah, the snow that has fallen and has fallen is is quite something. Um, and they have a turf field, which means this game can go ahead. <laughs> That's right. Uh, all right, 
uh, MLS in the postseason, it's upon us. For months, we say, just get us to the postseason. Get to the postseason. Let's go. Let's go. Well, go no further. We are here. It is upon us. It is upon us. So I've got the matchups here, and you and I, we're basically just going to kind of rotate, and we'll go back and forth a little bit. I ha- We have our assigned matchups, and uh, we'll give kind of our little breakdown, JJ, and, uh, and then a prediction. Got to have the predictions. Uh, so you ready? Yep. Here we go. All right, I'm going to go first, JJ. Saturday, November 20th. Happy birthday to my dad, by the way. It's his birthday, Saturday, November 20th. 2.30 p.m., second-seeded Philadelphia Union, the seventh-seeded New York Red Bulls. The rivalry renewed. It's been a very even rivalry all time. The Red Bulls have just one more win in this than Philly does, and they've got seven draws to go along with it. And the Union's only ever playoff win came in that classic 4-3 epic back in 2019. So here we go. The rivalry is back. Red Bulls snuck in under the wire, whereas it was kind of more of a slow burn for the Union. Climbed the standing slowly as the season went on, kind of waffled a little bit. They were in that jumble, and then next thing you know, they got hot late in the season, and they're number two in the conference. Uh, Just one loss in September for the Union, just one loss in October. But here's the thing I like about them. Once again, defending. It's been vital to their success. You just look at the whole back for them. Andre Blake. Uh, once again up for MLS Goalkeeper of the Year. They've got one of the better and most consistent center back pairings with uh, Glesnes and Elliott. Kai Wagner, uh, full, uh, fullback for the Union, coming off his best season in MLS All-Star. Red Bulls, if we're talking about good defending, we've got to talk about the job they've done as well. Uh, I saw MLSsoccer.com noted they've conceded the second-fewest open play XG. Uh, in addition to that, they're going to press the hell out of you. No one pressed more this season. So looks somewhat even on paper. Well, what gives? Both teams stout defensively, but I look at Philly's form and attack. They've scored two or more goals in six of their last eight games. Daniel Gazdag starting to really emerge. By the way, you got to go on YouTube and see the goal that he just scored for Hungary in World Cup qualifying. Holy cow. Ridiculous. Uh, we'll see what Sergio Santos' status is. He had been dealing with a quad injury, um, but ultimately some depth in attack. They've scored five goals over their last three games, five different goal scorers in those five goals. So I'm going Union 2-0, dos a cero to Philadelphia. All right, Andrew, that was that was very interesting. Very long as well. I'm How is that succ- long? Much more succinct. I am much more like Jimmy the Greek. I even later on have my lock of the week. Um, so let's look at Saturday, November 20th, 5 p.m. So after that game that you really, really went through quite rigorously. Uh, if it was two minutes. Uh, I mean, what are no- we talking here? Number three, Sporting Kansas City versus number six, the Vancouver Whitecaps. The Whitecaps are back in the playoffs, Andrew, for the first time. Since 2017, but it's going to be an early exit against per- Peter Vermees' side. You've got this kind of uh, clash of cultures. You've got a team that loves to keep the ball, loves to pass the ball. It's quite creative. And you've got a get- Vancouver side that is more comfortable, uh, not in possession. So I think it's going to be an early exit um, for the Vancouver Whitecaps. Sorry, I know it's a long time to wait to be back in the playoffs, but that's it. Um, Polito, Saloy, and Johnny Russell will be too strong in the end for the Canadians. They're going out, my friend, and Sporting KC, who supporters of Sporting KC regularly get in touch with us and tell and ask why we don't talk more about Sporting Kansas City. And I do believe Peter Vermees has in the past said, we don't get any love, we don't get any shine. Well, here's your shine. You are going to knock out the Canadians quite easily. It's going to be Sporting KC straight through. You're a monster, the things you say to me. It's not <laughs> right. That This is your way of, of trying to deflect from the lack of homework that you did. <laughs> I know how you operate. Uh, what You're up again, aren't, aren't you? Oh, yeah, it's me again. Yeah. Oh, it is. Uh, Sunday, November 21st. Uh, this is the 3 p.m. kickoff. Uh, the number four. NYCFC versus number five, Atlanta United FC. Bloody hell, Andrew. One of the ties of the round yeah. so early on. On the respective days. I think this one's argue, on ABC. Oh, yeah. But this is a huge game. Yeah. Uh, two huge markets in terms of MLS. On the respective days, you can argue that these are two of the very best teams in MLS. But you only get one day these days in the playoffs. So who's going to turn up? Uh, big pressure on Ronnie Dahlia. We all saw that banner in the stands uh, prior to the end of the regular season, which showed that the NYCFC support is a bit split on their Norwegian manager. Somebody had Dahlia out, and someone a few seats further back had Dahlia in. So, yeah. 
Uh, not a good time to have injury problems for NYCFC. Keaton Parks out with a blood clot. Very best to him. Uh, he's going to miss all of the playoffs. Um, uh, Acevedo out for um, for Atlanta, at least. Um, we don't know what his status is beyond that. And to Jury Shraddy, he's going to be out for that game too. For Atlanta, well, you can argue that Gonzalo Pineda has pound for pound the better side. But it's a side that will have to deal with the unique and narrow dimensions of Yankee Stadium. Uh, Martinez, Arujo, Barco. I just think that that forward line, that attack, that midfield, to be honest with you, is going to have too much for NYCFC. Atlanta to shade it in the Bronx and make it a winter of further discontent for NYCFC fans. That's a tough one to call. I'm glad you had that one, not me. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm going on just just the names in the attack, Andrew. Just look at them. And NYCFC are a little bit beaten up in the center of the park. You know, it's not rocket science. Uh, so that was the early game on Sunday, November 21st. The later game, 5.30 out west. Another four versus five. Another one tough to call. Number four, Portland. Number five, Minnesota United FC. Ugh. Uh, Minnesota swept the season series. Loons have actually been a brutal opponent for the Timbers in their brief history. It's been... Uh, like since two th- April of 2018, I believe, is the last time that Portland beat Minnesota. Uh, but Portland come in riding a three-match win streak to end the season. Sebastian Blanco, of course, has been back for them, a player that they did not have, I think, in any of their meetings against Minnesota this year. So that could have in some way contributed to Minnesota's success against them. Um, and he's been in good form, too. He scored a couple goals uh, two weeks ago when Portland clinched the number 2 spot in their win against Real Salt Lake. It's tough to call. It's tough to call. Um Timbers scored 14 more goals than Minnesota this season, but by the same token, only Real Salt Lake conceded more goals than the Timbers did among playoff teams. I don't know. Uh, Maybe it's a three-game winning streak. Maybe it's their uh, history of success in knockout tournament play. uh, An unconfident 1-0 to Portland for me. That's what I'm. That, that is you just siding with history right there. That's all this is. Well, look, I do. Th- I think highly of Portland. I mean, but, but I, I do of Minnesota as well. Yeah, and they're at home. It's it's not an easy. I mean, look, the four versus five matchups are going to be tough, and so it's kind of a coin flip. So I'm going one nil, but who knows? It could be extra time. Could be on penalties. It's going to be a tough one. Uh, all right, uh, I'm up again, JJ. Uh, Tuesday, November twenty third, eight o'clock p.m. Number three, Nashville SC. Against number six, Orlando City SC. Uh, so I was reading um, Topher Adams on the mainland Orlando City uh, blog, and uh, he made a good point about kind of what a lot of these playoff games boil down to your star players coming up big and making that big play. I mean, a lot of these matchups are tight, and it comes down to that. Zellerion last year, Ro Rui Diaz, we've seen it with. So you look at Orlando and you think, okay, Nani, Pereira, these are players with the quality to do those kinds of things, but they've both been in lengthy, relatively poor runs of form. Nani with just three goal contributions since the start of September. Uh, Pereira with just two assists since September. Not good enough. And it's true, Daryl DK's been in red-hot form, um, but Nashville has some players in good form as well. Um, for one, look at Nashville. They haven't lost at home all season, uh, which is incredible. This is going to be in Nashville. That place is going to be packed. Should be a great atmosphere. And and second, Nashville's got some star power here. Hani Mukhtar is a finalist for league MVP. Walker Zimmerman is a finalist for defender of the year. Joe Willis is in the final three finalist for goalkeeper of the year. Uh, so I'm not going to overthink this. Nashville was the better team all season. I'm going to go 3-1 to the six strings, JJ. All right. Okay. And uh, the 10.30 p.m. game on Tuesday, November 23rd, number two, Seattle Sounders versus number seven, Real Salt Lake. You are not getting me to bet against the Seattle Sounders no, in can't. the playoffs. Can't. At home to RSL. Not happening. It, you know, in uh, on this season, because I know people are from RSL are going to be screaming this, it might be 1-1 in the head-to-head, but I'm going with Smetzer's men in a full house at home. Can RSL stop the Sounders? Can they even stop 19-goal man Raul Rui Diaz? João Paulo has been imperious at times in midfield, and that's before I get to Ladero. RSL had a dramatic entry to the playoffs. Out first round, folks. It's my lock of the week. I'll say this about that one. If uh, some, I haven't seen the actual like Vegas odds or anything like that, and maybe somebody can go back in history and find a bigger one. If the Sounders lose that, I have a hard time thinking of a bigger upset. Ever. Just, uh, all the elements to it. You're right. It's 
from I just looked at it and I just went Seattle straight away. And, and we do like the Sounders, but I, I think they have a beyond the brilliant players they have, they also have a muscle memory in the coach and his his playoff brain. And uh I don't I didn't see anything from Real Salt Lake that makes me think otherwise. Yeah. Well there you go. I hope everybody everyone feels ready now. Um, I know I. How do. dare you! You call me out for a lack of preparation. You. Well, uh, I mean, what were what what was happening there? I, I spoke for just. Uh, I'm going to go back in time. Each of ours. I bet Andrew, it, it was like the Sermon on the Mount. It's like, oh, will this guy ever stop? And the truth is, you said in the email in our post production email, rapid. So I thought straight away of like you know a musical bed, which you did have, and like a Jimmy the Greek kind of wheeling around the NFL style thing. Why are you the way that you are? Every time I try to do something fun or exciting, you make it not that way. I hate so much about the things that you choose to be. Why are you the way that you are? Yeah, I think you summed it up. There's, we continue now. <laughs> once you got that, it was better than you screaming at me for sure. Uh, let's see. Anything from around the globe? JJ UEFA qualifying has delivered us some unbelievable moments. I mean, what happened with Serbia the other day in their oh. win against Portugal? Good lord! I mean, you could the celebration, the scenes, just they've it's Portugal just absolutely messed this group up in the most spectacular fashion. Rested players for the Republic of Ireland game, even though like they are so loaded, so they got nil nil there. That draw was important, but you knew if you got the draw there. It was all the chips were pushed to the center of the table for the game against Serbia, and they got done. And it was just, it was hilarious. Just hilarious. <laughs> not to everyone. No, not to everyone. We've got some Portuguese uh, supporting listeners out there who won't like me laughing at them, but I am going to laugh at them. I'll say this that- right now, too. Another uh, off-the-cuff hot take, like my Seattle uh, biggest upset ever should they lose one from moments ago. Um, again, someone could prove me wrong, but like since since – the World Cup has expanded to whatever the number, you know, 32 teams compared to what it used to be when, you know, I'm sure there was a time in history when lots of really great teams missed out on the World Cup. But from like this current era, uh, I believe that if Portugal do not qualify for the World Cup, it will be the best team in in our lifetime to not have qualified. Oh, and from the from the current 32 team format era. You know what? You know what? Without giving it much more thought, which has been a maybe a theme for me on this podcast tonight, <laughs> I agree with you. I mean, just like just look at the yeah, squad, even the bench. They were taken uh, uh, Renato Sanch and um, and uh, Joao Felix off the bench in in Dublin, and they had Bernardo Silva just sat behind them. Look at their defenders. Even now, you're right. You're absolutely right. And look, we've had some good ones recently: Italy, uh, the Netherlands. But I think but that, they were in like transition. This, they were in transition periods. You can't say that about this. No, squad. This, is just a great squad. this is a Portugal team where if they make it, they'll they'll be one of my favorites. Yeah, but that manager, that manager, Andrew, it's not working out. Uh, I know he's the manager that delivered the uh, the European Championship for them. Their their long sought after international competition win in 2016, but they've got to be better for the personnel they have. So what now? So what now? Basically, is this, Andrew? Uh, European champions Italy could face Cristiano Ronaldo's Portugal in a winner-takes-all World Cup playoff final in March. So Portugal and Italy, winners of the last two editions of the European Championship, failed to top their World Cup qualifying group, missing out to Serbia and Switzerland respectively. It means both must enter the new playoff system. You want to bring eyeballs to the playoff system? Give us that matchup. That's how you do it. Featuring 12 teams battling for three places at Qatar 2022, and while both are seeded in the semi-final draw, they could be placed into the same path and play each other. The playoff draw takes place in Zurich, Switzerland, on Friday, November 26th at 4 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Seaboard Time. Seeded teams are Portugal, Scotland, who had that dramatic win against Denmark. I say dramatic, it was comfortable. They played excellently. Uh, Denmark had qualified, so maybe... They had the foot off the gas a bit, but whatever. Portugal, Scotland, Italy, Russia, Sweden, and Wales. Unseeded, Turkey, Poland, North Macedonia, Ukraine, Austria, and the Czech Republic. The six seeded nations will be at home in the semifinals, which are one-leg ties to be played on March 24th and will be drawn to play one of the unseeded teams. 
So path A, the winners of semifinal one versus the winners of semifinal two. Path B, winners of semifinal three versus winners of semifinal four. And path C, winners of semifinal five versus winners of semifinal six. The home team in each of those final ties to be played on March 29th will also be drawn on November 26th. It means that 12 nations will know their two possible final opponents and if both Italy and Portugal are drawn into the same path, they face the prospect of playing each other, and one will not make it to Qatar 2022. Unfathomable. The only restriction, my dear Andrew, is that Russia and Ukraine cannot be drawn together because politics. Mm. So that can't happen. Can I just focus on Italy for a second? Of course. This would be, and because of COVID and the way things have worked out in the calendar, Obviously, that amps up the drama. You've got year upon year of major tournament. But if you look at it, this would be one of the great, spectacular and immediate falls from graces in international football where the defending European champions wouldn't be in the World Cup. And it would be, it would be heightened because of, of, like I said, that compacted calendar. You know, I wonder if my... My comment from just a moment ago could apply to either Portugal or Italy. Um, uh, ooh, I know they're the European champions, and I, I know they, they only have, just won it a minute ago. I know they did. Literally, the summer just passed. Um, they're a very good squad, Andrew, with some excellent players and some players because we don't give, to use that word again, Serie A the shine it deserves the heat it deserves, the eyeballs it always deserves. We've discovered that, ah, these players are actually really good and they had a good manager and a great feeling in the summer. But squad versus squad, pound for pound, and I'm going to annoy some people here, I think Portugal have a better squad. Ooh. No, I, I, f- I felt similar. We're going to get letters. We're going to get letters. Well, the emails, Andrew. That's the why email. I don't check them. The emails coming from Staten Island now, I can. they're marching towards my <laughs> inbox. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So there you go. I can't wait for that draw. There's got to be a lot of nervous fans right that right now waiting for. Well, you said it was November 26th, correct? Uh, November 26th, yes. And the six seeded nations in the semifinals, which are one legged ties, by the way, those will be played on March 24th. So we've got a spring bonanza mm. to look forward to. It's very very good stuff. And that almost erotic grunt that you just made has confirmed that you are excited about this. I am. I truly am. Uh, that's about all I got, my friend. This was uh, this was jam-packed, as they all are, as the U.S. tie Jamaica 1-1, still in good shape with World Cup qualifying, which is what it's all about. The march to Qatar, well, it continues. We'll be back, of course, with another podcast next week uh, as domestic leagues return to action. Uh, Premier League, everybody. They're all back. And, of course, MLS playoff games to recap as well. It just keeps on keeping on. Andrew, can you please hit the drop about the football going on forever? The football is officially going on forever. Oh, it sure is. Hey, good stuff, my friend, to you, I say. Take it later, fun boy. See ya. Take care, man. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 